Hey everybody, welcome to the latest episode of Pop Culture Quorum Deo. I'm one of your hosts, Jeff, here with Jared Moore. Jared, how's life treating you today, man? I'm doing pretty well, man. I've been a bit under the weather, but today's been a lot better. We have a pretty popular movie to talk about. seems like everybody is having something to say about Black Panther. Now, correct me where I'm wrong here. You hated this movie so bad that the first time you watched it, you threw up and left the theater, right? That's partially true. You got half of it. Now, I got sick while uh, watching this and uh, ended up having to leave the movie about halfway through. Uh, kind of hurt my feelings, but uh, but that, that was Monday and I'm feeling better today. I love this movie. This movie's great. Then why did you throw up and leave it, Jared? I got a stomach virus and then my son. And my five-year-old got it, and he's been sick. And um, Ava had it. My daughter had it a few weeks ago, and then my three-year-old had it a few weeks ago. So my wife and my other son are the only ones who haven't got it yet. Well, I'm excited to be in this room recording you're, with you. You're Thank welcome. You. I hope you know. I hope you get it. That's that's really generous of you. Jared. You're welcome. I, I want to share with you. Yeah. So, guys, what we've what we've established so far is that Jared hates Black Panther and is Typhoid Mary. I love this movie. What we've established is that I want to give you. You a stomach virus because it will bless you. Well, on that cheery note, <laughs> let's jump in. Here, here's my summary. Tell me what I left out, okay? All right. Here's my summary of Black Panther. The new king of a technological wonderland must decide how to balance protecting his people against being a good neighbor, while he also has to deal with the powerful threat of a usurper. That sounds good. <laughs> Your use of wonderland. Is that, did you, did you write that synopsis yourself? I did. <laughs> Is that not what Wakanda is? I just a Wonderland. I picture a bunch of fairies running around. It's kind of like little wings flapping. And what word would you use? <laughs> not Wonderland. I think I would use Wonderland. What would you use? Um, I don't know. Yeah, man. don't I, criticize unless you can give Wonderland. Wonderland is not part of my vocabulary. I guess. Yeah. Was there anything uh, in this movie that jumped out of you as far as conscious issues? Well, it's violent. It's yeah. very violent. If someone doesn't like to see those things portrayed on screen, you, you probably ought to stay away from this one. I knew going in that, for instance, there's a time where a woman in battle gets her throat cut. And uh, when it played out on screen, it was pretty pretty graphic. So mm-hmm. violence stands out. Um, and then, you know, depending on what you th- your conscience says about what women can wear, there's a lot of exposed midriffs. Now, the women in this movie aren't particularly sexualized, but a lot of the female body Body, um, is on display in a way that it wouldn't be at Sunday school, right? So midriffs, there's some dresses that are like thigh-high slits in them and stuff like that. So those are the two things that stand out to me. What about you? Um, there's a, there's a little language, I believe, on top of that. Not much. Um, but those are, those are the main issues. And then there's going to be some spiritual realities that, you know, it's not a... I mean, it's a very Christian world in many ways, but it's not a overtly as far as monotheism and and um, just Christianity in general. What we believe concerning God. No, well, there's you know very early on, and he's referenced a couple different times, but there's a false god, right? Bast, the mm-hmm. Panther god, mm-hmm. and then several times in the Panther cult that's in Wakanda, they say something like "Praise the ancestors." Yeah. So it's a ancestor worship paganism mm-hmm. thing that uh, describes the religion of Wakanda. So that's their. Um, did you see any sacrifice anywhere? That's something interesting. I didn't. I don't remember seeing any sacrifice. No, I don't. Off the top of my head, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. usually, usually paganism does have some kind of blood well, especially Af- you know, a form of African paganism, tribalism. Yeah, yeah, tribalism. Good point. But no, I don't remember that. Uh, so, guys, that's that's the conscience issue. Feel free to read plugged in. Get more detail on that if if that's something you're very uh, sensitive to and something you want to pay attention to, which is a great thing to do. Again, we just affirm the idea that you want to obey your conscience mm-hmm. and don't. Let um, don't let anything trick you into going against your conscience. Martin Luther, right? It's not right or safe to disobey your conscience. Mm-hmm. We affirm that principle. All right, so Jared, start chopping this film up. Um, creation. Yeah, let's let's start chopping up the film on the subject of worldview. So talk talk to me about creation in Black Panther. Well, it's a it's a beautiful beautiful universe. Very much mimics kind of our our world, but of course, like you said, it's it's not a wonderland, but it's a technologically advanced society. Beautiful, lush, right? One Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. In this land. Wonderland. Um, <laughs> it's not Neverland, um, but it's uh, it's a wonderland. It's a wonderful place. You said it. Um, I did say it, but I did not mean to. <laughs> yeah, this The closest thing I've seen in the Marvel Universe so far to Wakanda is Asgard in the Thor movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, in Asgard, they take pains to say technology, the, the technology of Asgard, primitive people, you know, think it's magic or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. they deny that there's any kind of magical stuff going on. Wakanda is very much in that category. The things they're able to do with their 
your miracle metal vibranium defies existing science, mm-hmm. basically. And so it's a very advanced society, but it's hidden, and there there is um, there is good uh, good in this world, very distinct good in this world. And then what about what about fall? What are your thoughts on fall? Well, before we go into fall, if you don't mind, yeah, I thought it was interesting that we get this origin story for Wakanda and that magic metal vibranium that that sets them apart. I, watching it play out on screen, I realized that Wakanda is a promised land for a uniquely called people. They're, they're, they're tribes of men who are brought into unity by the calling of that false god Bast. And they're placed in a land that flows with milk and honey, or in this case, vibranium. <clears throat> and not only does that create a people, right? Bast calling them out and giving them a unique gift, create them as a unique people. But it also gives them a distinctly peaceful and rich culture. I guess what I'm, what I'm hammering here, uh, if not hammering, drawing close to, is that in a lot of ways, the Wakandians are like Israel. Mm. You know, a divine being has called them into existence, given them special status, and that calling and that status has created a unique culture among the people. That was the first thing I thought of when I was watching the, the intro there. That's interesting. Did he ever tell them to be a kingdom of priests? No, no. But again, the image of the divine voice calling them into existence mm-hmm. and gifting them, giving them a unique relationship to the divine. Uh, mm. that, that's all right there in Wakanda. That's interesting. Very interesting. So the fall then, moving into that category, take it away. You don't want to talk about that a second ago? Yeah, I, I would say that um, all humanity is equal in Black Panther, but they're not treated as equal. You know, I mean, you kind of get the perspective of uh, Wakanda and, and their people and their value of humanity generally. Um, is superior. It's, yeah, they're, I mean, they're, do you, do you think they view themselves as superior? Yeah, I think so. I think that they realize that they have something that's uniquely, uh, positively distinct about themselves, <clears throat> and that's basically shaped their foreign policy, that they have kind of kept to themselves and enjoyed the goodness of their special culture and calling and giftedness and, and have intentionally chosen to not do much interacting, at least as a nation, with the broader world. Mm. So in this world, would you say that white, you know, white people exploit and oppress black people for financial gain? Well, yeah, I, I suppose so. And I would say in a lot of ways that's true about our world as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one real frustration I have with this movie isn't on the, the obvious racial dynamics. I mean, this is a black cast, right? Mm-hmm. But the first time we do meet a white character who's a good guy, who's been brought there after being wounded, <laughs> fighting alongside and even protecting a Wakandian, the first time we see him in Wakanda and he's addressed, he's called a colonizer. And he he's not British. You know, he, he um, he's dismissed in that way. And while I, I affirm that movies from different racial perspectives should be told, I thought that was a little little too antagonistic on the jump mm-hmm. uh, to, to associate white people with the only colonization. Do you think when he's first presented there on screen that he is um, in favor of protecting uh, Wakanda? That at the Initially, when you first meet him, do you think that he's a, a good character at first? Or do you think his heart has changed when he's saved? Well, we first meet him as a CIA agent, right? right. Who, ha- who was at a meeting that T'Challa's at mm-hmm. and wants to basically take away from that meeting the same thing T'Challa does. So he's a competitor. Mm-hmm. But T'Challa introduces him to his field team as a friend. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we see him after that meeting, they're going to interrogate the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And they're attacked by the person who turns out to be the big bad for this movie. Mm-hmm. And he's shot in the spine, I think, mm-hmm. trying to protect one of the guards that has accompanied T'Challa. Gotcha. She tells him he jumped in front of me or something like that. And so, yeah, I think T'Challa sees him as an ally, if not a friend. Mm-hmm. And then he's, you know, he comes to Wakanda basically because T'Challa says, I can't leave him to die when he was trying to help us. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was weird then that they would, you know, that, that the first thought for him was colonizer. It, it It's the worst kind of stereotyping, basically. But it comes from the lips of someone who is uh, is a hero, you know, is on the good guy's team. And it's never corrected. You know, it's never this like, oh, no, I should have should have given him the benefit of the doubt or seen him for who he is rather than just my stereotype. Hmm. I, I just didn't think it, I didn't think it played particularly well. I didn't gotcha. think it ruined the movie, but I just thought it played poorly. Hmm. So it's a fallen world, fallen creation. Yeah, even Wakanda is touched by racism and stereotyping. And you see that from the first five minutes or, or you know, this betrayal of the Wakandan people. Uh, but it turns out, I mean, that, that kind of, I mean, it kind of turns it, turns it on its head a little bit there towards the end. But we'll, we'll talk more about that. Well, that's the, that's the, the, the aspect of fallenness that stood out to me the most is that as good as Wakanda is and as well served as they have been by these upright and noble kings, it is an old hypocrisy that gives birth to this usurper who comes in to challenge the, 
the good nation. And and because of this hypocrisy, he has a legitimate claim to do so. Mm-hmm. And he then becomes the personification on a personal level in his conflict with T'Challa over who gets to sit on the throne. The broader political question of this film, which is, do we adopt an interventionist or a non-interventionist foreign policy? Are we globalists or, or are we non-interventionists? Mm-hmm. And that kind of, that takes up residence in the form of Killmonger and T'Challa. Mm-hmm. And that T'Challa changes his perspective. But nonetheless, that's, you know, it's the, the seeds of the conflict here were sown by the hypocrisy of otherwise good kings. Mm-hmm. Good call. Redemption then? Um, redemption is found in this world um, through reconciliation, uh, through reconciliation brought about by the government, in my opinion. I think there's a emphasis on if racial reconciliation is going to happen, if oppression is going to end, it's going to have to be governments coming together and almost this uh, one world government and the government from the top down ending oppression. I think that's how redemption, the government's going to accomplish redemption if it's going to happen in this movie. Through sort of the partnership of the universal brotherhood of mankind. Right. Yeah, that that was my read, that, that partnership is going to fix everything that's gone wrong and that there's some way to strike a perfect partnership balance that will bring a better world about. So lastly, glorification. What, what's the better world going to look like if partnership does what these people in Black Panther have entrusted it to do? It's going to it's going to look like uh, the ending of oppression. But but something that's interesting, I, I, I don't know. I wonder if there will be true racial integration in, you know, among like you like you were talking about Wakanda is tribes right there. There's and there's no white tribes. Um, and so does glorification. I don't I don't believe glorification in this movie looks like a white tribe coming and joining Wakanda. Um, but and so I guess it's all the nations coming together, but not not really intermixing, I guess, or um, intermingling, intermingling or I mean, maybe they'll mingle, but they're going to be still separate nations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. You know, the one of the last scenes we have in the film, I think it's the mid credit scene, mm-hmm. is that, you know, T'Challa shows up and says, we're going to help you all out. And one of the other members of the UN or whatever say, what do y'all have to offer? Skeptically, because so far Wakanda has presented itself to the world as a third world country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then T'Challa and his retinue, they just smirk because they know what they have to, to bring to bear. But yeah, I'm with you. So something like treaties and embassies, uh, these formal relationships. I don't know if there's a lot of vision for a, a Wakanda that yeah adopts the outside world or the outside world adopts them into its inner sanctum. You know, there's a there's a measured intera- interaction, I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Good call. So that's, you know, that's the, the worldview analysis. That also sets us up to go through Ted Turnow's questions. The first of those is what's the story and we want to get it right, which we have spent doing, mm-hmm. analyzing the worldview here. Um, Jared, his second question, where am I? And he encourages us to see the style and shape of the imaginary world. Where do we get dropped into this? Well, I think that the the special effects, cinematography, the fight sequences, man, all that's just super cool. And the, the music is amazing. The movie's, you know, the movie's really stunning. I mean, it's going to, the audio, the visual, you're going you're gonna to love it. Um, and it helped, you know, Jeff and I were raised in rural Tennessee and uh, we're both uh, white men. And, um, you know, it helped, it helped me to see, and I'm, I'm sure you agree, it helped me to see the beauty of um, African tribal culture. I mean, some of that, I'm, I'm sure some of that is true to, um, you know, kind of the things on display. And probably all that we've seen, though, has been in documentaries and and, and probably when we were kids, largely. Um, and I don't know that I saw the beauty of it then. But this movie really helps you to see the beauty of different cultures. You know, something, especially Christians, something that we're often guilty of. And you see this with missionaries. If you, if you want to see what I'm talking about, go to Jamaica and um, look at those churches where the West has come in and basically stripped those folks of their culture in those churches. And, um, and you know, oftentimes when missionaries come in um, from the West, we often bring our culture with us and expect people to leave behind not just their God, their false gods, but leave behind their culture. And, um, you know, I don't like that. I don't think that, I mean, uh, their culture, there's nothing objectively better about Western culture. Um, well, and that's what, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but that's what T'Challa's sister is saying when she calls Martin Freeman's character a colonizer. Gotcha. That the West has come in and obliterated good things, not perfect, but good things mm-hmm. in these cultures that are different. And, and Christian missionaries particularly have assumed that Western sensibilities about culture are the same as the gospel. And to embrace the gospel means you embrace Western styles of dress and language mm-hmm. and all those things in a way that God himself does not expect that to be true. Absolutely. 
I mean, I, I went, used to go and do mission trips at my last church to the Pawnee Indian Reservation um, in Oklahoma. And their culture has been almost entirely stripped. I mean, it is so much, it, there's so much Western influence there that their culture is almost gone. And it it's really sad because their culture is beautiful. I mean, these create, I mean, the creations of man, even when that, uh, even when it is pagans who are creating them, if you strip them of the, um, you know, the false God aspect of those things, they're still beautiful art, beautiful in and of itself, those headdresses and all they that. They can't help it. I mean, it's part of what's going on yeah. with their podcast. We assume that even fallen image bearers right. are going to bubble up with things that reflect the goodness of the God who created them to reflect his infinite Absolutely. nature. And it's, there's so much beauty there. And that to their to their credit, they do have this one, one or two times a year where they have this big event and everybody dresses up in their headdresses and they do these these dances, these old style of dances. But it almost makes it a relic though, right? It is a relic. Yeah. That's what's so sad about it. It's almost like a well, it's like a fair every year or something. Okay, we go do this at the fair, but it's it's basically if that fair wasn't there, it's lost entirely. Yeah, and even by virtue of celebrating it that way, you're identifying this is a distinct thing from our normal way of it's life. It's like a novelty or Halloween yeah. or one year we dress up type thing. It's just yeah. it's sad, man, because golly, it's so it's if you never if you listener, if you've never been to something like that, I recommend going and you can you can see and I believe in this movie, you can see that there is a beauty. If you go to the most remote tribe in Africa, there's going to be a beauty there that doesn't need to be taken away, that needs to be celebrated. These are God's image bearers. There's beauty that they create and that, that we need to rejoice at. Now, they just like us, they need Jesus. They need to repent and believe the gospel, but but they don't have to repent of being, they don't have creative. to repent of their, yeah, they don't have to repent of being creative. They don't have to repent of their culture yeah. or their dress. And again, I just want to stress, God does not expect that or require it. When you mm-hmm. have the vision of the eternal city in Revelation, mm-hmm. you read that the gates won't ever be closed and the kings of the nations will bring their wealth into the mm-hmm. city. Well, what's, what is the wealth of a nation that a king's going to bring? It's going to be the artistic accomplishments. It's going to be the financial yeah. resources. It's going to be the things that reflect the uniqueness yeah. of that kingdom. And they're going to bring that into the city. And they're going to do it gathering around a throne where every tongue, the, their language won't be stripped away. One of the most fundamental aspects of culture. Mm-hmm. They will use their language that has been brought into the city to praise Jesus in whose image they're created. And so, again, we, we you know, as much as I don't like that kind of the first defining comment on white culture in this movie is colonizer, mm-hmm. I do want to own that we often have been colonizers of, of cultures that we are more powerful than militarily in the moment. Mm-hmm. And this is deeply inconsistent with the vision of redemption in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. He redeems culture. He does not destroy it and strip it away. Amen. Good call. Good call. And I mean, heaven Heaven may look closer to American Indian culture than, you know, I mean... Or at least it will be reflected yeah, there. Yeah, it will be. It may, I mean... The Middle w- Eastern and... The West yeah. may not be. I mean, it, Absolutely. it may not be our culture that is there or represented. There may be. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, and so I always ask people, like in, in SBC, Southern Baptist churches, we often, you have worship wars and I like asking folks, what if there's no Southern gospel in heaven? Or what if there's no contemporary music in heaven? I trust that there won't be since it's heaven. <laughs> you're not going to care, you know? Yeah. You're not going to, you're yeah. there for Jesus. You're not Absolutely. there for these, you're not, they, the focus of these things that we do now, but but not only, not only did it help me to, you know, visually and aud- audibly, this is an, it's an amazing movie. Um, this this world is one of, there's it's there's multiple gods, there's no monotheism here, um, and there appears to be some form of, as Jeff said, of ancestor worship. You know, if I, if I was dropped into this world, um, I assume I would be the CIA agent who who helps T'Challa. That's what you want to think about yourself anyway, right? Yeah, I assume. You don't um, want to be Claw. No, no. Them, yeah, but- I, I want to be the, yeah, I want to be the fellow who helps. Um, but uh, but I wonder, I wonder, Jeff, um, growing up where we did and how we did, do you think that there was ever any point? Um, was there ever any point when you uh, when you recognized um, that you viewed yourself as uh, superior or as, was there ever any racism like, in, like growing up for you or me? I, I think when I was younger that there was a, a at least a prejudice uh, that I wasn't, I don't know if I, looking back now, I can see that uh, there was a prejudice yeah, in me. I'm sure that that was part of my experience of myself. Now, my earliest memories, though, are of seeing those those things that I would call racist, I think rightly today, <clears throat> as being something in in people that I loved and respected deeply, but which was not something I wanted for myself. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had a relative who, to this day, I think is a model of Christian virtue, who told me, as if it were absolutely true, one of the most racially bro- 
broken things I've ever heard in my life. And so I guess when looking back on on my experience, I feel like pretty early on I had an awareness probably because I'd been brought into a church. I had an awareness that there was an element of racial uh, looking at the world through racial racial lenses mm-hmm. that I did not want to participate in. I don't think I'm particularly special there. I think basically the church helped me to see other people as having dignity in a way that maybe maybe I wouldn't have had, had access to outside. I had a similar well, on the other side I had a relative who was a racist. I mean just blatant in your face racist unashamed of it. Um, and I saw that and my parents taught me that that was evil wicked wrong um, but there was still this uh, there was still a prejudice um, at least in my elementary school years yeah. uh, which is wicked uh, evil and uh, God uh, slowly brought me out um, brought me out of that and and now um, you know through part of our popular culture engagement here it's uh, these movies are helping me more and more walk through and um, walk through in another man's shoes at least through a lens right and have more empathy like I, I watched a movie the other day called uh, Mudbound. Yeah, that's up for like several different Oscar nominations. I've not seen it, but I know it's it's getting a lot of attention right now. And um, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily recommending that movie to you. Um, I think there's one brief scene where you have to cover your eyes, um, but helping you see what it was like and and walking through in another man's shoes. And, and it's not that long ago. I mean, this will have been when our grandparents were living. And um, I mean, it, it is very sobering and and humbling to think. I mean, to look back and to think that this is how people actually treated other people and how they diminish their value and how and so you know seeing movies like the Black Panther is um, is helpful to help us appreciate the cultural value of others and the human value of others and the danger um, of us and the assuming yeah. superiority you mentioned Absolutely. Jamaica earlier I don't know if we've ever talked about this but the first time that I saw what my own culture was as a threat to other communities was I was well into my 20s I was married and I was in Jamaica on a mission trip and we had driven by like oasis in the in the the wealthy area you know that, that tourists come to we were out in the Jamaican sticks and people were living in you know what looked like the things that my my parent uh, excuse me my grandparents kept their chickens in just mm. shacks and you think yeah. about a nation that's subject to hurricanes and how horrible it is but because we were Americans they lavished us with special attention so they put us up in a hotel mm-hmm. and it's a hotel that would never rise to our standards here in this country but for them it was pretty lavish yeah. and it did have cable TV and I was sitting in that lavish hotel resting getting ready to go back out to the churches that night and stinking Creflo Dollar came on the TV and he was talking about uh, how to how to get wealth and how to how to use God to accumulate wealth for yourself and how if you you know if you weren't wealthy then that that meant that you weren't living in faith and things like that and I remember looking around and, and just I, I grew white hot angry mm-hmm. and I screamed at the TV come tell them this and the, the problem was at the time I didn't realize he had but he was telling a nation that had no industry. Mm-hmm. There, there was no means of generating wealth there. That the problem with their lives were a problem with their faith and the God who I was there to, to talk to them about in the gospel. And I realized at that point, we we export toxic, uh-huh. life-killing mm-hmm. elements as much as we export things that bring life and health to other communities. So. Yeah, I remember whenever I was there, it was a few years after you went, um, the unemployment rate there was like 64%. There's literally no industry. Yeah. There's nowhere for someone to be employed beyond cooking for other people or cleaning for other people. Mm-hmm. There's just not industry there. Yeah. And and I remember if I, if, if I could have gotten my hands on Creflo Dollar in that moment, I think I would have done violence to him. I'm not saying that because I'm righteous, but I was so angry mm-hmm. at the message that he was giving these people and he was giving them falsely in the name of God. Mm-hmm. It, it was yeah, absolutely. It was horrifying. <laughs> so on that bright note, yeah, I, I did I did want to note this where I'm in, in this story. I think it's interesting. One of the things that I've read lots of people talking about on Black Panther is how compelling the bad guy is. So he's played by Michael B. Jordan, one of the great young actors in Hollywood. And Killmonger, Eric Killmonger, wants to overturn Wakanda's policy. And he wants to weaponize Wakanda and use Wakanda as a means of overthrowing oppression, right? And I've just read several pieces saying like, hey, this is a really compelling villain. He's got something to say. And I do 
think it's interesting in this movie that I'm, I'm clearly supposed to root for the good guys. I'm supposed to be on T'Challa's team, but I'm also supposed to maintain sympathy for the bad guys. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm asked to be pulled in two different directions ethically in a way that I don't remember from any other superhero movie. Did, did you pick up on any of that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel like there are many that actually lean towards Killmonger. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I wonder if we won't see backlash for this movie mm-hmm. where people are saying you, you basically got it inverted. Status quo is what's evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, revolution and violent revolution even is yeah. what's called for. Uh, with that in mind, the other the other thing about being in this world is that this world asks me to believe that the resources of the real world, right? Like there, there's the parallel. This is supposed to be a version of the world I live in. The resources of that real world, despite having no access to the magic metal of vibranium, can fix what is wrong with the broken world, right? That mm-hmm. the broken world has what it needs to fix its own brokenness. Mm-hmm. And that's a bridge too far. Yeah. But this movie pushes you to believe that. Uh, what's good, true, and awesome here? So that's question number three from Turnow. He tells us to behold common grace. Um, I think the, the movie first gets human responsibility right, um, particularly thinking of victims of oppression. Um, they still have a responsibility not to turn into their oppressors. Um, That's well said. You know, when victims of oppression get into a position of power, they still have a responsibility not to oppress, yeah. not to turn into who they've been victims under. Um, you know, Black Panther in this way is different than Jordan Peele's Get Out. Uh, racial reconciliation is possible in the Black Panther universe, um, but doesn't appear to be possible in the Get Out universe. Um, oppressors, regardless of their skin color, are the enemies of racial reconciliation. That's kind of what I gather from the hero in this movie. And uh, the only way to end oppression in this movie is to end oppression. And I, I think that's wise. I think that's I think that's right. It doesn't mean so. You know, some people in society would have us to believe that um, the way to end oppression is for the victims to get a bigger stick. Right. And um, that is not what this movie presents. Yeah, that's Killmonger's plan. Yes, that's Killmonger's plan. And Killmonger is rejected. Right, yeah. right. And so um, I think it gets human responsibility right in that way. And I, I think that's what makes this a movie a must-watch movie. I mean, I, I think that that is... Because I don't... And I, I may be I may be wrong, but I, I feel like Killmonger's um, view is what kind of dominates um, much of society today, especially among our generation and younger. Um, that, that they, you know, it seems that if you are a, a victim, you have a right to turn into an oppressor. That's kind of what is presented today. But but you'll never, you will never end oppression with more oppression. You'll never. Yeah. So, Jared, just to highlight that theme, you um, you would see something like this in, back in the day, the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement, right, where we mm-hmm. would use force to overthrow the 1%. Mm-hmm. You know, this is ground we fear to tread, but I think we could point to certain actions by Black Lives Matter and say that, you know, using collective power to overthrow oppression is part of what at least some of those groups do. We've seen it in some of the white nationalist rallies. This isn't unique to any sect, but it seems to be part of the spirit of the age that everything good is accomplished through basically violent overthrowing mm-hmm. and then taking the reins of societal power, bending them towards your end rather than some great objective good that we're all accountable to. Right. And so not only that, but I think the movie um, also got that there's a mutual responsibility of, of all races to seek racial reconciliation. Um, if blacks and whites are going to end racial oppression, they cannot be worried about self-preservation. And that that's something that this movie emphasized as well, is, is kind of get off your high horse as far as self-preservation is concerned. And you've got to go out and win, and fight evil wherever it is and seek to overturn it. Um, as and much reject as it, it right. when it presents itself to you as an option. Right, right. right. Um, you know, uh, T'Challa said, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit later. And uh, it must be noted, and this is something I just want to note here as well, that it must be noted that the only nation on earth that mimics Wakanda in technological power and responsibility is the United States of America. And so I think there is a subtle emphasis um, on America taking responsibility um, to use our resources to end worldwide oppression. Oh, brother, I don't think it's all that subtle. I um, think you're being you're being gentle there. Um, but because there is no ultimate foundation that the movie builds on, God, uh, man being made in God's image, there's no ultimate reason presented in 
the movie for why America should help the world. They they just act like it's this. It, you're just there's just this responsibility to do it, but they never they never put a foundation there, and they never they there is a telos, but God's not there. It, it's just we need to work towards this goal of reconciliation, but but why? You know, there, there's no. And by what means would we define whether or not we had achieved it? Right. You know, if if the world is brought into harmony through Killmonger's tactics, mm-hmm. what in Black Panther's moral universe can say that that is inferior ethically right. to what T'Challa wants to do through willing partnership? You know, mm-hmm. they, they, it just does. This world does not have the resources to distinguish. Mm-hmm. What else? What else? Good? Do you think? Uh, I think it does point out rightly that image bearers are broadly creative, mm-hmm. and through their creativity and making use of the resources of the natural world, uh, again, not vibranium, but vibranium stands in for things like penicillin and uh, mortar, right? These creative image bearers can really make great gains in alleviating suffering, mm-hmm. bringing healing, promoting prosperity, using the resources of the world according to the skill in which their creator has invested them. I think it's right on that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, really, you said this is a deeply Christian movie. I think this uh, this movie gets in broad strokes that our hope is in a royal son who would die call, yeah. and return and establish a kingdom that he administers through his specially called people that really will remedy everything wrong with their current world. Mm-hmm. T'Challa is is such a clear picture of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, right down to the death and resurrection and return to the throne. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know to what degree they were self-consciously playing with those themes, but it's all in this movie. I think there's several, several of the actors are Christians, it seems. Yeah. So we're recording this on the 22nd. Today, Relevant Magazine released an interview with the young lady. Not uh, it was uh, it was an article on a segment of an interview. The young lady who played T'Challa's sister, youngest sister, right? Yeah, young sister uh, says I'm a Christian, and acting tempted me to glorify myself, and I had to get away to kind of rediscover who I am in Christ. And so I'll, I'll put a link to that up on our social media. But it's a good interview. That's good. And these people are they're certainly playing with the image of Christ in terms of his role as universal savior. Universal, not in the sense that all men will end up in heaven, but that the cosmos will be brought to salvation in being reconciled to him. Mm. What's distorted evil and false? How can I subvert idolatry? That's question number four. Um, I think the the idol in this movie, the false god, is primarily moralism. Um, and there's also an emphasis on pluralism. Um, the movie is similar to what we said about Hostiles, uh, the movie with Christian Bale. You know, it argues that all people are equal, but then it jumps to, well, because all people are equal, all religion is equal. And the notion seems to be that if, if I'm not better than you, then my God can't be better than your God. And um, I, I think they, those are two distinct, totally distinct realities. Um, and, and you know, they, they wouldn't want to include Satanists in that. They wouldn't want to include headhunting tribes. Cannibals. In that. Cannibals. They wouldn't want to include. There's some aspects of culture that you want to leave behind, right? Um, and I, I, th- I think that the directors and writers would agree with that. Um, yet the movie wants to argue that there's a better way forward for racial reconciliation. So, so they they want to say all everyone's equal, therefore all religions are equal. But there is a better way. So, so they don't want to they don't want to say that a, a, a certain god is better than another god. But they do want to say a certain ideal is better than all these other ideals, right? Well, and that I mean, you're getting at the inherent contradiction in the idea of multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. All cultures are equally valid, except for any culture who doesn't affirm that all cultures are equally valid. Right? right? It's a, it you have to affirm multiculturalism to actually uh, participate in it. That's right. And if you want to critique it, well, now you're objectively wrong. Right. Exactly right. Exactly right. So they they want to say that there are right and wrong ideals, but not right and wrong religions or gods. Um, also, the movie argues that if racial reconciliation is going to happen, it's the governments who will bring it about. Um, yet governments have not brought it about. Actually, in human history, the most dangerous institution known to man has been government. And this movie seems to seems to argue well if you just get the government right but go go and look at just uh, just in America government look up government corruption <laughs> and look at both dominant parties and look at the corruption that has plagued just in in our country a a, a nation that has been heavily influenced by Christianity and look at how even even folks who had been in in positions of power um, have misused that power because of the sinfulness of their hearts and, and to think to think that the governments could bring about an end um, racial oppression um, is a good idea that should be 
pursued because it's evil, morally evil. We should seek to oppose um, moral evil and fight it. But we also need to recognize um, <laughs> that these things are not going to be set right until Jesus Christ is ruling and reign. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm deeply with you. So you said this movie is must watch, and I'm mm-hmm. completely with you. I haven't liked a movie in theater from the Marvel universe as much uh, since Winter Soldier mm-hmm. as I did Black Panther. I love this movie, and one of the things that's most interesting about it is because it it does address national realities. <clears throat> and I think for me, that's the most unbelievable part of the movie is that we're supposed to believe that these products of a broken world, these nations and these men, they're they're, they're very much of this world that they all acknowledge is is wrong and mm-hmm. broken. That nonetheless, this broken world has the resources to fix itself and doesn't need anything outside of itself to fix it. And, and as you just mentioned, that continues to be a project humans give themselves to, even though it is consistently empirically proven to be false, right? So we build new towers of Babel all the time mm-hmm. and we watch them fall and we watch them be inadequate and we say, oh, let's build another one. And I think in large part, because if we stop doing that and we, we acknowledge that these things are, they're not sufficient, we would then have to deal really face to face with the idea that something outside of the world is needed to fix the world. Mm-hmm. And that opens us up to a creator to whom we might be accountable. And so we just hop back to the task of building another tower and mm-hmm. saying, you know, really believing in deep sincerity this time it won't fall. Yeah. Over and over again. Over like and over learn. and over again. Yeah, absolutely right. And we don't learn from history either. Exactly. This is not a scientific enterprise. It is a deeply faithful enterprise to say that government can redeem us. Uh, it, it's as much a leap of faith as anything that's ever been believed by a religious practitioner. Mm-hmm. And it is even less reasonable based on empirical evidence. But humanism remains. Secular humanism remains. Mm-hmm. And we keep trying the project. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you, you, you don't want to say that in a way that denies that good can be done. Mm-hmm. And I also don't want to say it in a way that doesn't acknowledge that the Bible says the government exists to restrain evil. But the thing I want to stick in there is by telling us what the government is for Mm -hmm. in restraining evil, the Bible is also telling us what the government is not for. Mm -hmm. The government cannot build the common good. It is equipped only to restrain the evil. Mm -hmm. And so in in some ways, you know, I don't want to get too political here, but we need to be thinking through appropriately biblically limited government because God himself says it's limited in what it can accomplish. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that text in Romans is not an introduction, or excuse me, is not the, the seeds of a broader doctrine of government. It's telling you the scope of government. Mm-hmm. It can restrain evil. Mm-hmm. So stop investing it with all these eschatological hopes. Yeah, absolutely. And and just since we're talking about politics, I really think this movie, as you mentioned, wants to talk about our current political climate. But I think it says some stuff that uh, a Hollywood industrial complex that is given over to progressivism really doesn't care to say uh, if they're if they're paying attention. So Wakanda is, as I've said earlier, a wonderland, right? Mm -hmm. It is (laughs) distinct on the entire face of the earth, not just in what it's able to accomplish for the good of its people, but in the way that this rich culture has been built up and protected there that's not been subject to colonizing forces and all those other things. Well, they've done it by putting themselves behind the equivalent of a wall. They have a hologram Mm -hmm. that does not allow anyone in who they don't want there, and they have specific policies not to let anyone in there. So they've been selfish? Is that what you're saying? Well, I think some people are going to hear me saying this as a, in, in a pro-Trump sense of build the wall. That's not it at all. I didn't vote for Trump and I never would vote for Trump. But I also want to say that for, for people who will affirm T'Challa's speech that wise people build bridges, not walls, mm-hmm. Wakanda was tremendously benefited by standing behind a version of a wall mm-hmm. and not simply allowing anyone who wanted to come in to come in. And I, I think clearly Black Panther rejects the premise that they should stay behind the wall. And I'm very open to that idea. But I also want to say it's too simplistic to tell people because Trump, who we despise, has this idea, the idea must be rejected. Just as it's too simplistic to say because Trump or Barack Obama or one of the Bushes or one of the Clintons said it should be embraced, that that's sufficient reason to embrace it. Mm -hmm. So even as this movie tells us, build bridges, not walls, it shows us that there are some advantages to having certain kinds of walls up. And in that way, it's a little conflicted with itself, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, Wakanda would not be the powerful nation it was. I mean, that's that's basically what they say. If they did not cloak themselves and hide themselves from the world, somebody would have come in, attacked them, and took what they had and stole it. And I mean, they might have been wiped off the face of the earth at one point or another. And they spend tremendous resources well into the modern era tracking down their resources that have been taken mm-hmm. and reclaiming them. So again, I, I don't want to say pro-GOP, anti-GOP, pro-Democrat, anti-Democrat. I'm just going to say that these ideas are too big to handle simplistically along party lines. 
Right. And I don't even think Black Panther, a movie that very much desires to give us distinct political messages, is even able to do so uh, in, in its efforts because the issue is just too complex to give a simple answer to. Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. Um, how's the gospel apply, Jared? Um, I think the movie gets it gets so much right, but it, it's frustrating that it doesn't provide a multi-generational foundation or an ultimate goal for racial reconciliation. You have to appeal to something greater than emotion in order to change people's hearts for many generations. Uh, you know, and the, the truth is, is that only God can truly change someone's heart. You know, why are all people, regardless of skin color, equally valuable? Is it just a naked assertion? Is it just something that's observable? Is it something evolution teaches us? Or a pleasant truth we've all agreed to affirm? Absolutely. All those are, the answer is no, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and if it is, what happens when somebody else says, no, I, I don't want to affirm that? How are you going to correct them? And someone who comes along and says, actually, I'm superior to you. Yeah. You know, that's where, that's where Nietzsche breaks down, right? Yeah. That everybody wants to talk about will to power when they assume that they have the will to put themselves in power. Mm-hmm. But when the, the guy with the stronger will and greater power comes along, Nietzsche starts becoming much less uh, desirable. Right. Absolutely. And so the answer is, is because we're all made in God's image. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Why should we seek racial reconciliation? We should seek it because in the new heavens and new earth, there are people from every tribe and tongue worshiping at the throne of Christ. You know, seeking racial reconciliation is morally good and it should be led by Christians. But the government cannot bring about racial reconciliation. Or even broader than government, human partnership and a universal brotherhood. Right, right. You know, true racial reconciliation can only be brought about by God. A transformation of the heart by being born again by God the Holy Spirit through the Son to the Father. Only the gospel can bring about true racial reconciliation. And so this movie leaves that out, leaves out, um, you know, when you emphasize pluralism or when you don't don't present an ultimate reason why, why should, why, why is T'Challa seeking these things? Uh, because it's the right thing to do. Well, <laughs> we need more than that. Yeah, we agree it's the right thing to do, but why is it the right thing to do? You've got to, there needs to be a moral argument, a moral foundation instead of just pulling at the heartstrings. Amen. So, and the I, gospel provides that. Yes. Okay, there you go. So the gospel is the thing that this movie is is very much in desire of, mm-hmm. but can't name. It doesn't name it. It doesn't name it. And it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't provide a foundation. And it does have a goal, but it doesn't know how to get it, its method for getting to the goal that they want. We all want the same goal in many ways as far as while we're here on this earth. It, I mean, we want reconciliation, right? We we want oppression to end. But just, just saying, okay, let's get together and decide to end it, that's not gonna that's not gonna do it. Yeah, man. So I'm I'm tracking with you. That that goes back for me to my what I said earlier about the broken world doesn't have the resources to fix itself. Right. But they think they do. And they're gonna keep trying to to do that. So for me, when I'm thinking about how the gospel applies in this movie, I'm gonna go back to stuff I've already mentioned. It is absolutely true of reality that a noble son of a great king will provide what's needed to fix a broken world mm-hmm. and the suffering that it brings to the people who are participants in that world. It's gonna happen through a specially called people of promise who are entrusted with a history altering gift to steward. It's not vibranium, it's the gospel. Mm. And the world this royal ruler brings about through the gift that he gave to especially called people will be glorious. It will be without fault. It will bring people together and it will cause them to prosper. And it will all happen because it is not of this earth. Mm-hmm. So Amen. I think there's a there's a lot of room here to go, man, we really need Jesus, don't we? Amen. Amen. Uh, before we wrap up, just a couple words to parents. I, I think this is a movie that you can consider taking your children to. I'm not going to tell you yay or nay, but you can consider doing that. I think some of the things you may want to talk through with your kids is the image of Bast there at the beginning, right? So there's this panther god who calls Wakanda together, gives them all these gifts. Positively, it looks like something we've already talked about, the way that God calls first Israel and then through Israel, the church, into a unique relationship with himself and and uses them as stewards of a gift he gave them to to bring good to the world, right? Mm -hmm. I also think you've got an opportunity there to to kind of walk with Paul through Acts 29, where he says that we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. Bast is that. It's a creature that's being worshipped. It's a panther who's being worshipped as the creator. It's a good place to kind of do the baloney warning thing with your kids. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a movie that gives you a chance to say, hey, look, did you notice the king was killed by his enemy, but he came back from the dead? And in doing so, uh, puts into effect everything that's going to undo this false ruler's reign, right? And I think it's even a, a great movie to, to tell, help your kids.
kids think through their responsibility to their fellow man. So you're not Wakanda, but you are a neighbor. What obligation do you have to your neighbor? What obligation do you have to your neighbor in light of who you are in Christ? Mm-hmm. Talk about the Good Samaritan. Talk about the 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 way God has established government for specific purposes, but for <clears throat> limited the government for other purposes. I think all that's right here, and that depending on the age of your children, you can talk to them about false gods versus true gods, Israel versus paganism, church versus paganism, all the way up to what would a, a national policy for a nation that's not Israel, right, who's not uniquely the nation of God, mm-hmm. what would a foreign policy look like for a nation that wants to honor the Lord in the way it you know interacts with its neighbors on the globe? I, I, this movie gives you a lot of stuff to chew on. So parents, to whatever degree you feel comfortable doing this and your conscience gives you freedom to, you know, put this in front of your kids, enjoy it with them, mm-hmm. but then help them chew on the really big issues it raises. Good call, man. Yeah, all those are great points. Um, I would only add as far as talking to your kids, it, it, it'd be helpful to talk to your children. Use this movie as an opportunity to talk about what do we do when we are victims? How do we respond yeah, good, when good we're point. bullied? Um, when we're, uh, if, if ever any point, we are the victims of any form of oppression, discrimination, uh, even even being made fun of, you know, things that hurt you, things that wound you. Um, how how will you respond when you're in a position where you can, um, where you're no longer the victim? You know, you can help your children kind of in a safe way while watching this movie think through the right response. Through treating others the way you want to be treated. Right. Like, and being like sensitive to do T'Challa, so. right? Yeah. I mean, like how he responds um, and his view of the world. I mean, it is very, very helpful for us to think through that. And it provides a safe, a safe uh, environment where you can kind of navigate those things. Because if, I mean, your kids live in, in, in this world, they're going to, they're going to be bullied at one point or another, or be made fun of or, or be wounded. Um, and so they, they need to learn with you how to rightfully respond in those moments. And they're also going to get the opportunity to wound and to bully right. and to oppress. Mm-hmm. And so they need to know how to be sensitive and guard against those things mm-hmm. when those opportunities present themselves. And I, I think finally that this movie can also help you kind of look at how silly and foolish discrimination is on racial lines. Um, you know, help your kids celebrate the beauty of this culture that they've probably never have been exposed to or never seen. Um, help them see how amazing God's image bearers are and how beautiful their creations are. And, um, you know, help them to celebrate their own, but also to see the inherent value of others. And uh, I, I think I think one of the ways, you know, we can, I, like my kid, my kids are in Christian school and Jeff's kids are in Christian school. But one of one of my kids' teachers is a black, black lady, godly lady. And my kids will, you know, when they first started the school, they would try to describe her and they, they would say the lady, the lady with curly hair. Like they, they did not, they never once have made a reference to her skin color, which it, it's like they, it's like they, the kids don't see it. The kids don't eat, they don't even notice. And that's, and that's in part because we, we try to raise them in an environment where they're, they're away from all, because they're in a Christian school, they're in away from um, all this racial emphasis that's on. And we don't have cable TV. So we're watching Netflix. And so we, we don't have the news on all the time. So there's not all this. It seems like every time you turn on the news, there's all this, um, there's this racial tension, right? There's this emphasis. And uh, so the kids aren't, aren't seeing that. So they haven't even been trained um, to, to kind of see the distinction there to them. Of course, we're all valuable they're, Of course, their teacher, their teacher has authority over them. I mean, they treat her just like they do any of their other teachers. I mean, it's, well, and that's a product, not simply of having a house with no cable TV, right? It's a product of being raised in a Christian worldview right. where there's an, there's an understanding of common human dignity in the mm-hmm. shared image of God. Yeah. Racism basically has to be taught, I guess is what I'm saying. It's got to, it's got to be, you know, either selfishness produces it or it, it, it's got to, I mean, when you're that little, that young, it's almost got to be imprinted in you. I think it's got to, yeah. like I, you, I'm going to push back and say that my kids didn't need me to teach them how to sin, although I've done a good job of teaching them how to sin. Right. You know, I, I've modeled that for them far too richly. I do think probably it's common to fallen man to group up with people who look like you or who think like you. And that's true mm-hmm. of the most progressive or the most you know conservative group of people. Mm-hmm. There's a temptation to that, but that it is very easily thwarted with the resources of the gospel. If you actually believe that there was one human from which we all descend and there's one human through which we will all be redeemed, mm-hmm. it's very easy to say that inclination within me to group up with people like me in opposition to people who aren't like me, uh, it, it, it's going to die. Mm-hmm. Good call. Yeah, I, I agree, man. Um, I remember, you remember that story with Kevin's kid, Reddy. Um, we've got a friend who's a pastor in 
Louisville, and his son, um, his adopted son uh, from Nigeria, Nigeria, the the Congo. Is that right? Yeah, the Congo. That's right. The Congo. Um, well, he he was in school, and him and his buddy wanted to trick their teacher. Like, who was as white as loaf bread? Yeah, his, his, buddy. his buddy was white, and he he's from the Congo, and um, they wanted to trick their teacher, believing she couldn't tell them apart if they got their hair cut the same. And you can go you can go look it up, but it was uh, it the, went kind of viral, it, like it made its way to Jimmy Kimmel, and yeah, the news covered it, and um, but I mean, it's just very, and and that's in part because of the environment that his daddy is is raising him in, and um, I think that is so helpful. So I I think it's helpful to laugh off, not laugh off, but to treat discrimination as if it's foolish, if it, as if it's ridiculous, ridiculous, like as 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 if it's really there's people who actually believe that, like it's stupid. I mean, I, I think you can, and I think you can use this movie in a way to do that with your kids, like at the end of it, say, man, isn't that isn't that just silly that folks are oppressing each other based on their skin color? Isn't that just dumb? But uh, you're here, so friend, I guess this is the time we're going to put a bow on this movie. Yes, sir. Uh, we've a great movie. We've enjoyed watching it. We've enjoyed talking about it. We're really thankful that you chose to download and play this episode. We hope it's been helpful and profitable to you. Uh, one thing that you might do if you're willing is to consider giving us a review on iTunes. We would we would really covet uh, those five star reviews. But we'll take anything you want to leave in terms of review that helps us not only figure out what we need to be doing with the show, but also uh, helps other people find it through the way iTunes mysteriously ranks uh, the shows it puts in front of people. So if you're willing to hop on iTunes and give us a review, we would greatly appreciate that. You can connect with us on every major social media platform. Our username is PCCDPod, and you can visit us on patheos.com forward slash blogs forward slash popculturecorumdeo. There's there's comment forms there. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect with you. We're thankful for those of you who've reached out already, and we would just ask that you keep doing it because we want to to be in conversation with y'all. We're hoping we're serving you, but we don't feel like we're the end-all voice on the subject, so we'd love to love to be interacting with you and hearing what you think about the content we're putting out. Amen. Uh, you can find me, listener, on uh, Jared H. Moore at Twitter. Um, you can find me on Facebook at All Truth is God's Truth. I have another podcast called All Truth is God's Truth. Uh, check it out. And um, you can find me at my website at jaredmoore.exaltchrist.com. And my email address is there um, if you want to contact me. But uh, yeah, give us some interaction. Let us know your thoughts. Give us some pushback. What do you think about this movie? Uh, we're, we're interested um, and we want to we want to uh, be shaped. It's not just us teaching, but we want to learn from you as well. Yeah. All right, guys. So thanks again for tuning in to listen. We will be back with you very soon on another episode of Pop Culture Quorum Dale.